Hello. Hello. Industry. Industry. Hello and welcome back to Industry Tactics. I'm your loyal host, Friendly Rich, and on the podcast today, episode number 151, Karim Maliki Sanchez. Holy cow, I go way back with this amazing musician uh, and creative and uh, back to the early days in a band I used to play in called Student Yats, late 90s. We're talking wearing Brio helmets on our heads while we performed with diapers on, you know. It was, uh, it was weird times and we get into some of that in, in our talk. I'm excited to be playing live again, so check out FriendlyRich.com. I'm playing at Drum Taberna on Thursday and uh, The Monarch on Saturday of this week. And then July 9th, we're taking the the show to Shazam Fest in Sherbrooke in Quebec. So hope to see you there. Go to FriendlyRich.com to learn more about what I'm up to, but none other than Karim Maliki Sanchez... Should I cue the catwalk theme or the regular old theme? Anyway, get into it. Enjoy. his gum out <laughs> we're on it's, we're on it's buckley's uh buckley's cough syrup which definitely growing up oh you know we were taught something very interesting which was that it it tastes awful and it works yeah it does it sort of does i think uh we're here live but not live with Karim Maliki Sanchez. What a thrill. Episode number 151 of Industry Tactics. Uh, I'm going to say a legend. In, in, uh, you loom large. Y- you know, you've been... You, how many years doing this now? All of Long this. Time. And we're going to unpack all of it. Yeah, thank you. I'm excited for you. 150 plus episodes. Yeah, Goodness yeah. gracious. That's some staying power. Well, you know, it, it's staying power is the theme of this talk, I think. I think, like, you've just looking at your career in, in you know, in the creative arts, basically, you know, all, all forms of it, you've, you've got the staying power, right? I mean, and I was, I've been thinking about this all week. Like, we could spend an hour easy just talking about Johnny Camden, because that's the kind of nerd that i am sure but i realize when i look at your career that that was like a fart that was like a two a two-year blip that's like legendary that's it's like it's incredible stuff what you've done like and that's not it's you you probably look at that and just go yeah i was 17 oh my god 30 years ago so oh my god you were 17 when that was going on yeah 
I was in 12th grade. So out of respect for you, I mean, that's a, that's a, that's a weird, um, so you grew up weird like that, that inevitably that made you weird, right? Yes. Yes. Like I, I, I met a kid the other day. I was at this little uh, fundraiser in LA that I wasn't really able to afford. I was invited as a insider guest. Oh, fun. That's Tickets fun. were like 600 bucks. It was for Ukraine. You know? Okay. Okay. Great. So people were more like just doing the donation and then saying, here, just send somebody with the tickets I bought. Okay. And uh, there was a very famous singer that was playing and her son was there and he was 18 and everyone was like, oh, he's going to be the next big thing. I was like, so tell me about you, you know, yeah, what's yeah. up? You know, you're 18. Yeah. What's it like to be 18? Yeah. Yeah. And he's like, oh, you know, I'm just, a, I'm just a kid. I'm just a baby. I was like, no, you're not. I was like, by the time I was 18, Right. I'd been touring and playing at CBGB's. I was running a record label. I'd done like right, a TV, right. you know. Right. And it, and it right. wasn't that I was trying to, like, I was like, I don't know if I was being the old guy at the party being like, in my day, but. Right, right. I was like, 18 is not a kid. Like, you can have yeah, three yeah. lifetimes by that point. And I think right. a lot of people did. Wow. So wow. it was weird because, wow. yeah, I did, I did start at like seven doing, you know, I've said this too many times on podcasts, but like I started yeah, yeah, at yeah. seven doing like, paid dinner theater and stuff that they'd never let kids probably do now, you know, smoking and debauchery and right, right. going home at one in the morning every night. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, um, yeah. But anyway, so. Yeah. That's yeah, fucked so, up, man. You know, yeah. I, I can't trace it, you know, I, I, and, and like just, you know, n- not that I need to do my research, but I wanted to come prepared. You're basically like my brother's age. I kind of, you know, it fucks me up sometimes because. I forget that, like, yeah, we're all kind of like, anyway, we're all in this. And, like, I, I, it kind of freaked me out to see that you're basically my brother's age. Cause what does that mean to you? I don't know. Is he I, younger well, it, or older than you? No, he's a, he's, a, he's a few years older than me. You're oh, just okay. a few years older than me. And what it means yeah, yeah. is, what it means is, like, holy shit, Johnny Camden is just, was just a couple, you were just a few years older than me. I don't understand. Well, also, how like that Elon happened. Musk is my age, you know, so I haven't. That's done shit. fucked. Right, right, right. Put it all in. <laughs> put it all in perspective. Yeah, yeah. Or, or you've done it all, in my opinion. Oh, um, thanks, and you, man. you really have. Like, it's like, how many lives have you lived in this in this creative world? It's like it's it's. I don't know, man. I, I just I, I admire the way you've you've swam through it to date to this point, and I want to know, like. How you kind of how you're doing right now? How are you doing with all of it? Like, are you mm-hmm. how are you feeling about your creative life? Maybe as as a starting point. Okay, I'll take that. Yeah, I could sit here and fawn forever, but we gotta get it. we gotta get. <laughs> well, I think it. people have no idea what the fuck you're talking about. First of all, so uh, fu- fuck them. They'll they'll do their homework too. <laughs> okay, pardon me, I mean, gentle listeners. I didn't mean that. Don't no, we fuck. love we love, we love them, you. but. It's you. because we love them that we can say fuck that, you know, whatever. <laughs> Otherwise, you, you, you know, they're all like uptight way. about it. They're not really friends, are they? Amen, amen. So, and I mean, I, I have that relationship. You know, I have a Patreon of a very small group of people who are just steadfast and have been with me, some of them for like 20, 25 years. And mm-hmm. I'm extremely candid and open with them. And they really are essential to my creative continuity because sometimes even if there's just those three people that are still listening mm-hmm. that could be enough for me to go and finish that track or mm-hmm. to find that drummer to get you know in this to do all the pain in the ass stuff that it is to make something yeah 
Um, and, and I, it's that relationship I have with them that makes it so precious. I mean, mm-hmm. one thing I can say about a life that is lived publicly, and I'm not a famous person, like Nev Campbell is a famous person. I am not a famous person, but mm-hmm. the irony of that is that I am a not paid well, semi known in some circles person, which mm-hmm. means I also can't go off on social media about yeah, some Elon basic Musk. things that other people would like to, you know, right. Elon okay. Musk doesn't care about me, but if I'm like, Hey, so I'm like looking for a job. Does anybody have like a UX position I could fill? Mm-hmm. It gets weird. Mm-hmm. You know, you'd be like, Oh, what happened to Johnny Camden? Man? It's gonna get mm-hmm. like this. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And UX jobs are extremely, you know, wonderful, respectable work. And it's something I like to do, but it's just one of those things where, you know, if I'm having a kind of a bad, I'm like, I'm really depressed. Life sucks. Mm -hmm. Can't really do that either. Because in some ways people are looking to me to go, Hey, so you're a little bit of like a role model or, you know, I kind of look to you be responsible when talking about anxiety, depression, challenges, Mm -hmm. uh, Mm -hmm. the grind of work. Mm. And, um, and so I kind of have like different personas really like on Instagram, I'm definitely way darker and much more explore my experimental stuff. Mm-hmm, Whereas mm-hmm. on Twitter, I'm, I'm much more yeah. professional and careful. Mm-hmm. Um, and all of those things are part of, of the work. And I think, you know, you know that we reconnected you and I because of virtual reality a few years mm-hmm. back, mm-hmm. and you were really excited about working in spherical video for your mm-hmm. projects. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, since then, like I've now been running this VR conference and uh, VR festival for like eight years. That's messed up, man. That's yeah, amazing. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah. And, and like one of the things, um, one of the things about that is, well, first of all, I'm dealing now with like CEOs and PhDs and mm-hmm. investors and tech industry. And, and that's like a whole other racket, but the weird parts that come from my past, yeah, yeah. past that you and I share yeah, are yeah. the parts that actually keep, keep us differentiated and, and relevant in the industry. Because wow. if we were just another schmo like trade show that you just go to and you have your, you know, exhibit number th- six, which is yeah. $6,500 and, right, right. and you have your lanyard, like then who gives a shit? But like when, when we are there catalyzing super weird relationships and ideas and, and bashing things together, people go, oh man, I kind of can't miss that because that's like, that's, that's where like the real noise is. Oh, nice. And so that's, you know, I'm just a continuum of, of this kid that grew up doing his mom's like experimental Ecuadorian plays in the basement that turned into a band called blue dog pick that turned into an ambient project that I would do in drag that turned into Mm. running an indie label that turned into like an indie game review site that turned into a VR conference. Okay. Okay. So, so you like, you're basically tracing like constant change, your late, your label back in the day to, constant change to i mean literally in the title of it it, uh so you ran a label you were connecting weirdos and you were doing it so passionately Mm -hmm. that when when i just when when i crossed paths with you it just felt like that was the norm which unfortunately it wasn't like people as passionate about you 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 were so passionate about the creative side of all of it that that it's so exciting and it remains kind of the thread in your work you're saying that like that still translates today to 
the tech sector and the way that you navigate that? Is that kind oh, of hundred percent? Like that's cool. I just um, I've been geeking out super hard on generative generative adversarial network art and you know mm-hmm. otherwise known as deep fakes GANs. Mm-hmm. AI generated stuff that uses like neural networks and image model sets to just create synthesize brand new images that don't mm-hmm. exist in the world. And mm-hmm. like with the right cantrip, you can make it look 8K photorealistic with anamorphic lens flares and shallow depth of field in an epic wide shot, you know, of a monkey sitting yeah. on a pig eating cannoli. <laughs> and so I made a bunch of stuff that mm-hmm. i i love muppets and i love dioramas yeah. why i do i have no idea but well, those two know. things it's, matter to me it's the best it's the it's best because yeah, it's the sure. best so i go off and i make like this whole set of muppets and i was like you know what i'm gonna make muppets that are canadian animals like beavers and meese mm-hmm. and squirrels i guess and raccoons and i'm gonna have it like fuse vr headsets to their heads and then have like rainbows exploding out of their ears whoa and I, it came out pretty good and so i decided that not only is that the poster for our VR conference, but that I'm going to replace the entire back gallery of all of our previous shows, selfies and photos mm-hmm. with Muppets doing the same thing. Oh my God. Oh so my God. What a it's trip. a kind of crazy thing that your team goes like, what's this now? But then, yeah. and like for three days, I put it out on the internet and just nobody replied. Nobody liked that. I was like, oh, they probably think like I'm making Muppet show puppet shows or something now, or they don't get it, or they think it's just too. And then one guy, Kent mm-hmm. by who's known for his voices of VR podcast mm-hmm. retweets it and goes, I'm so excited to see the VRTO is using the new, like Gan AI stuff mm-hmm. to represent its crazy new campaign. And I was like, he wow. gets it. And I didn't wow. have to explain the joke. Right, 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 right. And so immediately we set ourselves apart mm-hmm. by just saying let's just take a chance and like eat eat our own dog food you know this is the stuff we're talking about let's use it and for you it is hitting that one person in a way like just just the right way that that is the point of it yeah right yeah because the future we're walking into Mm -hmm. is one that our most intense imagination cannot even hope to be prepared for it's going to get so freaking weird it's going to be so exponentially insane mm. compared to what we have now. I mean, imagine telling yourself, you know, in 1992 that you would never stop looking at a device that is streaming 4K spherical video and geo tracing you and allowing you to see like overlaid Pokemon in locations mm-hmm. while having any food in the world delivered to you within 15 minutes yeah. without ever taking out your card. Yeah. And you'd be like, bro, like yeah, that's not even no. science fiction. It's amazing. It's amazing that you, you know, I, immediately we're, we're what, 10, 10, 10, 15 minutes into this talk, but I just, the, you don't, you're, you're always revved up about this. You're like <laughs> th- this, where, where did that come from? Like, where is that? Are you always on like this? Or, I mean, I know we're, we're doing an interview here, but like, is it, are you, this drives you, eh? This motivates you so much. Yeah. I know. I don't know what it, I don't know what it is. Cause it doesn't make sense. Like as a business thing, it doesn't make sense. It's not, it's not smart. It's not safe. No, that's what's beautiful about it, of course. You know what it's always been? It's always mm-hmm. been this pursuit of like, uh, like it's, it's, an, it, it's an ontological thing. Like, I want to know 
I know that I, I've always felt acutely th- the shortness of life. I've just yeah, always yeah. been acutely aware of mortality Yeah, and, and such that like, I can't hmm. waste minutes. It's not because I have to be busy. Okay. It's not about production. It's more like I want to suck every bit, every molecule of my time on earth through a straw and be like, wow, look at all the boba, you know, mm-hmm. it, it's just, um, I know I know, and I've always known this, that we jump out of a plane and we are f- rapidly approaching the ground that we're going to hit. And I mean, I, I, I mean, before I even hit record, you said, um, what did you say? Let me get comfortable and focused on you in this interview to avoid the rapid, what was it? Cyclone of death or something. That was your <laughs> opening line. That was your opening right. line before I could hit record. So I'm glad My I slow death it. spiral in the yeah, heat that's, of sorry, LA thank today. You. Sorry, sorry. Yes. Your slow death spiral. So you're, so that's constantly speaking of constant change. That's, that's, that's in the back of your mind at all times. I don't really think of it that much. You do. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm always thinking about, um, mm. and, and I was reading, What was I reading yesterday? It was something about looking. Oh, I was reading about magical realism, right? As you do, as you do. I'm doing a podcast episode for a movie thing on Friday, Mm -hmm. which I really enjoy. He, uh, he, it's called the Movie Loot. He does this. He's in Puerto Rico. He loves doing film critique and analysis, and he brought me back into that kind of love of watching movies again because I abandoned that for a while. Okay, okay. And um, we did a first episode about mindfuck movies mm-hmm. and uh it's his most popular episode because i don't know why maybe it's because there's something to like mindfuck movies walk this whole line between all of the true crime stuff that people are super into um and into that like can i play a game with you mm-hmm. that you can't catch the trick until it's too late um so, you know, we did everything from like Memento and Usual Suspects to like Sixth Sense and weird out, dark, freaky stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyways, I said, the next one I want to do is suburban magical realism. Oh. And at first that sounds like what? And if you do a Google search, there is no such term as suburban magical realism. Mm-hmm. But the weird thing is that's literally what Stranger Things is. Right. Stranger Things is just a tribute to kids on bikes in neighborhoods when the parents fuck off and there's, they got to, they get into some kind of shenanigans. Right. And you can go through the eighties and have this incredible cultural anthropological dig through what it was to be a latchkey kid. Mm -hmm. And the difference between, I shouldn't do this podcast for somebody two years or now, but the difference between stranger Mm -hmm. things and the 1980s and nineties where you and I grew up Mm -hmm. is that no matter how hard they try to make those characters, no matter how, down on their luck or edgy or horror it's just not the same because it doesn't have all the racism sexism Mm -hmm. ableism ageism Mm -hmm. every other thing that was just intrinsic to the the water you had the fat kid you had the token black kid you had the asian kid you had the nerd you had the girl who was the girl right and we're not in that paradigm anymore and as problematic as it is i was thinking to myself like when I grew up in Mississauga, there was like three Vanessas within a block of our house. And one was Mexican, one was Jamaican, and one was yeah. Polish. Yeah, yeah. And, and we rode around on trikes, and we got scraped up, and we came home after dark, and we were four. Man. And, 
we figured, you know, it was the, we fought, we made fun of each other. We yeah, called yeah, each other yeah. names, but yeah. we all had our little tribe and we sorted out our stuff yeah. through that. Um, sort you of and the, you and the three Vanessas. Well, me and the Vanessas and, <laughs> and John with the yeah. leg braces and Witchwood yeah. with the terrible like lisp. And you so know, let me, let me get this straight. You grew up in Mississauga. Yeah. Yeah. Don't say it. I grew up in Mississauga until I was wow. five, and then I moved to Etobicoke, land of okay. Rio Statics and Doug Ford. Yeah, yeah. But mostly Rio Statics. Yes, please. And then I, uh, I left for L.A. when I was 20. That's amazing. I mean, I just, just because you know, like, the all of the Student Yachts crew basically grew up in Brampton. So I didn't realize... Yeah. I've never known that, like, basically, we were like Paisan in, an, in another way. Like, we were like, just like neighboring cities and suburban. Sure, and like all, that, that, that thing for me feel that really hits, that resonates, that idea of suburbia mm-hmm. and having to stay creative to basically save yourself from the boredom that ensues, right? You yeah, have to yeah. kind of, I mean, I, I would link that. I would say you're uber creative, and maybe that was inspired by this home upon home upon home of just, you know, s- sterile culture in, in, a, in a city like Mississauga, especially right. in the 80s. There was nothing going on there. Nothing well, going on. I shouldn't say that nothing. I mean, but... it was it was beautifully ex- eccentric and eclectic yeah. and all yeah, of sure. that. But driving to the mall to, to, right. to, to crawl up on the, the playground blocks was like the highlight of the week. Yeah. And at face value, that city, uh, yeah, that's what I mean. Like it's at face value, it seems like there's nothing going on, but then you you break into your home one night and you find out that there's Ecuadorian plays being put on. So <laughs> can you talk a little bit about that? Like, so your mom was a creative, like an artist, basically. Yeah, my my mom, even when she was like living in Ecuador, mm-hmm. um, where she was until she was fourteen, was always. They, they, my grandfather had a big farm in Ecuador. He, they grew like cacao beans and, and bananas and rice. And he was a Cessna pilot and he would like, you know, fly over the farms and drop the whatever chemicals to whatever and water mm-hmm. them. And, and it was a weird life. I mean, they had a pet ocelot in the house and, and parrots and spider monkeys and all sorts of whoa. other endangered animals that are whoa, whoa. totally not allowed to be. Anyway. And so she was carted off to a boarding school in the mountains of Alau Sea, which is this like totally remote nuns and supernatural forces type town. And she did not like being there. And when she came back, she would, again, put on plays with all of her brothers and sisters. So she comes to Canada. She barely speaks English. She Mm -hmm. becomes a school president at Notre Dame and then... She meets my dad, and then she keeps putting on plays. She runs a little store at Square One, which no is a mall way. in Mississauga. Yeah, what's it? What's the store? Oh, it's long gone. It was uh, it was a Ecuadorian imports store I'm, I'm called uh, Sangarat, I think. And wow. and the cool thing about that, which is actually super important, is that I think it was just around the corner from the arcade at Square One. Okay, okay, where my dad would go with me and unload a roll of quarters into Pac-Man. Yeah. Yeah. And I like, you know, my most formative memories are playing Pac-Man at square one Mm -hmm. while my mom was at work. She was probably in her Mm twenties going across the street to the big kid Mike's house to play the Atari 2600. Mm -hmm. And then um, 
what's the other formative experience? Well, I mean, kiss lunch boxes, you know, there you go. There you the go. kids with the kiss lunch boxes. Oh, and like, yeah. So th- that's the stuff I remember early on. Um, hmm. What's the point of the story? Oh yeah. So then my mom, like when we moved from Mississauga to Etobicoke, they bought this like huge mansion mm-hmm. for like $175,000. Yeah. Right. I right. can't deal. Yeah. Like the way that house looks for 175 grand. Um, and Topico was, was nothing either. Like still a Topico is nothing. Like mm-hmm. the only things I can eat around there are like Subway and pizza pizza. Yeah. Um, for miles. Yeah. 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 Anyway. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. and then she started to do plays. She grew up a little bit and wow. she put on a play at the St. Lawrence center about becoming, and it was like about an immigrant who comes to a land of people that all have like the same kind of white, fully bone white complexion. They move like trains. They speak in vowel sounds. Yeah. And it had this like weird mix of like art of noise and Inti Ilmani, like Peruvian flutes, Andean Amazing. flutes. Amazing. Amazing. So this, this is, you know, me growing up in this and, and at home, they're all in the basement. There are sets, costumes, there's people smoking pipes and drinking mate and they're oh. there 10 hours a day for like three weeks rehearsing a play. And she kept doing this and she put on these plays at the limelight dinner theater. And look, honestly, from right out of that, I'm doing plays at young people's theater. I'm doing Jacob Tutu and I'm doing the mystery of the Oak Island treasure and I'm coming home and they're rehearsing. And then one day, Peter Moss, the Mm -hmm. uh, artistic director of young people's theater says, Hey, I'm going to do this like little TV pilot for, um, for the CTV television, which is a Mm -hmm. Canadian television network. Mm-hmm. And it's me and this guy, Keith White, and this girl, Joanna Schellenberg, and a girl named Katie Griffin, who has Griffith, Griffin, 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 mm-hmm. who is now the voice of one of the Sailor Moon characters. And she mm-hmm. like, travels the world. Anyway, mm-hmm. and Keith was on Degrassi Junior mm-hmm. High, right. and I was not. And he and I became very good friends, and we played this uh, fake show at the Horseshoe Tavern. We're 14 a, years old. A fake show at the horse. Yeah, for the okay. TV, for this TV oh, pilot. Oh, okay, got it, got it. Yeah, we're doing a TV pilot called Cutting Loose about a bunch of 14-year-olds wow. in a band. And I think it was supposed to be like kind of a sitcom. Anyway, that was the very origins of my band, Blue Dog Picked. Because okay. I brought in some of my piano songs I'd been playing my whole life. Mm-hmm. And Keith, could, had he owned a bass guitar. Mm-hmm. And Joanna had this kind of punky, like pretenders thing going on. Mm-hmm. And like within a year of that, the pilot didn't go anywhere, but within a year of that, I was like booking us at Stratinger's and the Marquee on oh Queen Street and then the Opera House. And so I was like 15 years old with yeah. some acting money. And we, we went to Eastern Sound Studios where Zappa Costa had recorded and people like that, oh, wow. that I loved. Wow. 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 And uh, we recorded for, t- I, I brought a carton of cigarettes. Like I was yeah. 15 and we brought yeah. a carton of Marlboro I, reds yeah. and smoked the whole damn thing in two days while recording Jesus. this album Jesus, called the picture album. And then we put that album out and then I was 16 and I was playing Lee's palace with the band. I, I had like, I had like a dress on and big riding boots and like my fingernails were painted black. I had ponytail mascara, the whole, I don't know. It was just, I don't, I was just in the theater world. Yeah. I lived with grown up actors. I wore whatever was around. 
Yeah. I didn't care. It didn't matter. It was the nineties. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I get this audition to go for this show called catwalk and I go in and there's like ballerinas and there's, and there's muscle men and there's all kinds of people like with their sheet music. And I was like, I have, I'm hung over and I don't know what I'm doing. Yeah. And, and I auditioned for it and they, they gave me the job of Johnny Camden. There you go. And um, so I'm 16 and then we, we go to LA and we shoot it for like a week and I'm introduced to the LA for the first time. And then a year oh, wow. later, they go from the pilot, which we shot in LA downtown mm-hmm. in Compton mm-hmm. to back to Toronto. Okay. And now I'm 17. I'm at Michael power high school and we're shooting that movie. Wow. And with that money, I spent it all on blue dog Pick's second album, anxiety of influence, which we and, released by the time I was 17. And was Keith in Degrassi at the same time? Like, is that a, Oh yeah. Thing? Keith like was it's... not just in Degrassi, but like, I basically was living my life with the whole Degrassi kids. Like I was dating Anias Granovsky, Lucy for like oh a my year. God. Oh my and, God. you know, we would go to these cottages and it was like, yeah, it was like Pat and, and uh, Neil and, Stefan, like the, you know, the zit remedy kit. I never, ever, ever have talked about this. Um, but yeah, that, those are the kids that kind of took me from being the, the choir school boy with mom's theater company and the, the young people's theater plays into the, like the next, the teenage years, <laughs> let's just say. What a, what a, what a scene, eh? Like Toronto at that time too, must've been just like, I mean, I, when I started just like being an, into it, my and then on the periphery, it was just like, holy shit, that that's the guy from Degrassi seeing yeah. you guys live, and it was like, holy shit, like um, you were just in the. I, I think I think I think back to like all of those weird bands, like you were just in it, like you were connected yeah, yeah. with all of them. It just seemed like. The Project Nine guys all knew you and loved you, and it was just like this. It was a universe. It felt like a yeah. Well, it, it felt like a scene. I mean, it definitely felt like a scene. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know, man. It's like looking back on it now. How do you feel about just the way it went? Like there were certain people. Like there were. I mean, it. And it's not about. It's just like it's about where the creativity went where the connections went. It's kind of interesting, eh? Like, I, I just, it just seems like it was a blip in a way. It was like, oh, that was something interesting. And that, and it's like, <laughs> and then all the, all the ants went away or like they, they all the yes. mice kind of scurried away in a lot of ways. Like, it's weird. Yes, 100% what you're saying. And it's, it's interesting because I sometimes think, yeah. am I that guy trying to relive, you know, his childhood years, the mm-hmm. best days of our lives type shit? Oh God! Or yeah, I hope was so. it actually yeah. that something really remarkable happened? And I think it's the latter because that Raven Drool podcast, all mm-hmm. he does is covers early '90s Canadian, mostly Queen Street rock. Okay, Johnny Dovercourt um, right. from who was in a band called Tuesday Weld back then. Mm-hmm. Um, wrote an entire book called Any right. Night of the Week about that era. There's another book about that time and era and place. Yeah. And yes, so eventually yeah. you get things like Alanis Morissette out of there and you get Trouble Charger and you get Bare Naked Ladies and you get broken Avril Lavigne, it's Broken Social Scene and yeah. all of that yeah. way downstream yeah. stuff. But at that moment, mm. it was one of the truly most, I mean, I've been around the world and that three years 
with some of the most extraordinary cultural, countercultural, yeah. like organic living, breathing thing I've ever experienced. Oh, that's, um, cool. that's cool to hear. Let me name some bands just because I'm going to name, because, please. I'm going to name Sucker Punch, The Leather Uppers, The Vile Tones, Head, Cat Rocket, Snow Dogs, Dig Circus, Lowest of the Low, NC-17, who became Shit. Trouble Charger. It's all in your head, this. Oh, yeah. Um, Grasshopper. <laughs> yeah. Um, yes. Technicolor Raincoats, Acid Test, Project Nine. Um, God, who else? Like, oh, there was like, um, 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 there was like, yeah, the Rio Statics. There was like, you know, the more straight bands, in my opinion, like the Sky Diggers. Yeah, um, Mount Havoc or Mount Havoc have Mount Havoc too, totally right? Mount Havoc yeah. like yes. James James you know slicing up his chest and yes. playing like early industrial hardcore before there was like Nine Inch Nails before there was like right really right. ministry in the version of like Psalm sixty nine that they became but but don't you find it interesting that like genre wise too like all the bands that you just named like the 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 kind of spectrum of yeah of genre it 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 varies a lot right like it's, yeah 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 like but it everyone wasn't knows like each when other it became everyone knows grunge each other. Yeah. it wasn't like yeah that was the thing i remember when they started to call what nirvana was doing grunge and i was like oh this is dead now right because before that you know screaming trees and soundgarden and pearl jam and nirvana and then everything else like pavement and yeah yeah everything on caroline records and everything right, right. on like 4ad and on sub pop was like extremely eclectic like you had ween and daisy chainsaw mm -hmm. and drive like jehu and you had mm -hmm. you know just mm -hmm. and like jesus lizard and like right, right. endless joy right. and uh right. and spin magazine at that time was a good magazine and it really surfaced like we thought it was still too mainstream but it really surfaced really weird stuff and yeah you no know, i think i think that the main thing i do is i rail against those institutional practices of just appropriating all of the instability of these cultural movements and mm -hmm. and basically putting them under this one big safe catch-all taxonomy term and then they can go okay well that's just the weirdos that's just the alt kids or that's just the and then and then it's safe again but mm -hmm. the problem is as soon as you make things safe you you obviously well, you disempower Mm -hmm. their ability to destabilize a situation once you call it the you know the antifa it's mm -hmm. no longer just citizens standing mm -hmm. up against everything that's wrong on all of its different levels so that's what drives me is you know to answer that question is like that that heterogeneity that sort of cultural um just mania mm. is the stuff of life and it's hard to comprehend and it's hard to quantify. And I feel like my energy just constantly wants to go back to that. Like, what's the alternative? Honestly, I yeah, will right, never right. fit in. I will never be able to like figure out mm -hmm. accounting. So mm -hmm. that's kind of like where I just live, honestly. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um. What a joy. Let's let's take a break and listen to some of your music here. I want to hear something from Blue Dog Pick. Let's play um how do you pronounce this? What I learned in school. W I L I S. Is yeah. that kind of how that That's goes? Exactly. Yeah, Willis. What I learned in school. 
Another 
That was what I learned in school, Willis, about, as you just mentioned, school gun violence. Very, very current, sadly. Um, so that, what was that? That was, you did that for a TVO doc? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, um, sorry. He's, he's pulling more gum out. It's like an endless. No, it's, not, it's not gum. It's, it's, I love this Buckley's. It's. Oh, it's like this sort of like intoxicating <laughs> Vicks Vapo mist. Yeah, yeah, he's on the no. Buckley's tonight. He's on the Buckley's tonight. Yeah, it's the heat. You know, it's like I don't know why. I, <laughs> I I once met this kid who said like his mother swore by, like anytime they had any kind of cold or flu or anything, she'd just cover them in Buckley's Vapo. Oh yeah, you yeah. Know? Interesting, interesting. Keep them cool with that. That. <laughs> I think it was a psychological <laughs> effect for you know just how it kind of cuts through the whatever anyway so yeah we we were invited um in the later part of that period that we were just discussing early mm-hmm. 90s mm-hmm. um to do this documentary for tv ontario about school violence and it was everything from bullying to like estrangement to like school shootings and fights sure. and and racism and all of that kind of stuff mm-hmm. and so there was other bands like um the one I can most remember is that Chicken Milk did something. Mm. Do you remember that band, Chicken no, Milk? No. Yeah, they were just like Doesn't a downtown, like Edgewater punk band. Okay. Um, and there was like three or four others. But anyway, so we basically went into a little studio and recorded that track live off the floor. We had basically two takes. Hmm. And it was really the last recording that Blue Dog Picked ever did together as, oh, a, as a band. And I didn't know that at the time, but it mm. was. And we were a good band then. Mm-hmm. And uh, we put that song together in like a week and like from right to, to, to master. Um, mm-hmm. And so for me, it's just an important piece because it's like this, it's the mix of all the things that Blue Dog picked was. It's kind of got this like dub thing going on. It's got this mm-hmm. kind of rock, wah, funk, soul. Like, not that I really liked thinking of Blue Dog picked as that, but yeah, it yeah. really is yeah. a song that comes from all the other bands that we were playing with and how they were affecting us. You still keep in touch with those guys? Um, what my band? Yeah. Uh, well, I didn't for a long, long time. I did keep in touch with Pete Devlin, mm-hmm. who was the original guitarist for Blue Dog Picked. He was he was like this when he was fourteen. He came in and turned us from being like some suburban crappy paper drum kit band into like. Yeah oh my God, this guy's like Hendrix and he shouldn't be this good. Mm. Um, and then he left the band in the middle when we got a new guitarist named Danny Kova- Kovacevic, mm-hmm. who was like, there'll never be another like him. I mean, he was so oh, wow. technically perfect and so creative. And like, he played the guitar 
in the way like he was copying in spiral carpets and my bloody Valentine and Cocteau mm-hmm. twins. And then mm-hmm. like black grape mm-hmm. and happy Mondays and Shostakovich anyways, but he Jesus. passed away oh. when he was 28 mm-hmm. and that was the beginning. Well, that was the definite end of the band, but then I, so anyway, so Pete mm-hmm. and I remained friends and Pete has played on all of my music since then. I see his name popping up on uh, even your carom stuff, right? Like it's, yeah. Yes, yeah, yes, exactly. Yeah, yeah that's so, really nice. So it's, what happens is like I end up having like four or five different guitar players who are good at some kind of vibe. Yeah. And then I composite all of their composite, all of their music together into like the songs that come out. So even like Alex Lifeson mm-hmm. will just give me stuff. And then Mark Thomas in LA will give me stuff. And then Pete will give me stuff. And then it just all becomes the sound of my records, really. That's amazing. That's amazing. It, it's really, it's really rich just seeing all the, all these different artists that you're collaborating with to get the sound that you have, have developed. And, um, and, and fun to see you, like you, from the days of doing, you know, constant change in those early days of running a record label to now you've seen basically the music industry. I would argue if if I'm pessimistic on a, on an odd day, I would say that you've seen it kind of disintegrate or Mm -hmm. morph into something completely different. Like, but yet you are, I know like so excited by the new technology and where it's going. So like, is that, do you still look at the music industry as fondly and excitedly as you did when you were when you know you were releasing that those compilations in the early days that we were on and you were so excited about the music is is it <laughs> is it still there and in, in a, just in a different way like yes that's the right way to put it I, yeah like back then I felt like I was never allowed into the gates of heaven like I <laughs> I don't know. it's a really weird fact of my life that I've always just been like Forrest Gump. Like I'm at the perimeter. That's a nice, I I get that. Yes. Of historic moments of greatness. You kind of are though. It's fucked, right? I'm never the actual thing. Like he's in Degrassi. You're like Zelig. It's, it's kind of weird, right? Yes. I like, I hung with the Degrassi kids. Right, right, right. I wasn't in Degrassi. I, you know, I was on the the set of Scream when they were shooting it, but I wasn't in it. I was like, so awesome. So it's always been, back in the queen street days, like I worked the hardest. I mean, we, we put on shows that took all of my money, every show to put on, like mm. we brought in our own lights, our own grip, our own costumes, everything. Jeez. We bought the whole ad space and now magazine ourselves. Like See, I take all that for granted. I, I never knew that. This is kind of fun to hear. Yeah, yeah we did. We did. Doesn't happen, of- uh, it doesn't happen accidentally. Right. Like you really made that DIY effort. We really made the DIY effort, but the labels did not want it. Mm-hmm. And um, it's weird because, like, I was watching that documentary about Shannon Hoon and Blind Melon the other day, and like, they kind of were like a weird ass band. Oh yeah. And there he is playing with Guns and Roses, and like opening with Smashing Pumpkins, and yeah, like winning, yeah. you know, getting Grammy nominations. But I don't know if it's because I don't know what it was. I don't know if it's because we were in Toronto at a moment when they wanted to sign Bare Naked Ladies and and right and like Moxie Fruvis or yeah yeah or what yeah. it was. But anyways, um, where am I going with this? 
Yes, the music industry. So I remember being younger than Blue Dog Picked and writing a typed letter to William Ten out of the Canadian music industry contact book. And you would go recently passed away, unfortunately. Bless his soul. Yeah, Yeah. he was a good guy. So I would because he was one of the only ones that wrote back to me, a 12 year old. I was like, dear Karam, your demo was really great. Yeah. Um, and, and you would go through the book and you would send a typewritten letter to each one of them and say, dear sir, I would like to be a famous singer and here's mm-hmm. my home piano demo. And um, anyway, now where we are 30 years later is Spotify has swallowed up everything possible and we're going yeah. beyond Spotify. We're going beyond the era of like YouTube streaming influencers and we've gone beyond the micro transactional payments of Spotify yeah. where there's just no incentive whatsoever to release through that structure mm-hmm. um, to the paradigm of AI co-created art, where we might be at the death of authorship as a whole, <laughs> where you simply wow. just will cease to claim copyright period. Mm-hmm. Um, and when robots and AI take over every damn thing, I, I remember seeing this talk that Francis Ford Coppola did downtown. Mm-hmm. It was like David Lynch and Coppola and a couple of oh, other wow. people just talking about whatever. Mm-hmm. And Coppola said, we need to build a society that is okay with just creating for the sake of creating and not for the almighty dollar and for productivity, because we will come to a point where labor is not possible anymore. Right. Um, and it was such a radical statement from this guy but the thought experiment of what that even means is like when you remove the record label and you remove that, that constant reaching for the carrot, like, Oh, we're going to get signed, man. Like the whole premise yeah. of catwalk was we're yeah. going to get signed, man. What, what was, the, what was the name of the, uh, of the label in catwalk? Was it cat Tony? run or to- it was Tony Peeler records, Tony Peeler records. Thank you. Thank or you. Some, or, but I thought it was like, can- yeah, no, that 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 resonated. Oh, it wasn't like Dogbone Dogbone Records. Oh my god. Run by Tony you. Peeler. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. It, it's all there. It's all in the back of my head. Um <laughs> that's amazing though. The idea like yeah, and you're also bringing me back to like I assume you were like I was like pitching 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 like just the hunger of like you mentioned William Ten. It's like does that happen? I was just thinking about that the other day. That doesn't happen anymore, right? Like they're Okay, I'm going to tell you a story about something that happened to me like about 10 years ago now. I was at dinner with Alex Leibson and he introduced me to his buddy and his buddy was from uh, Republic Records. And I was like, what's Republic Records? I think it's Republic, Revolution, one of those. I don't know, whatever. Anyway, I go, he says, you should meet with Karen. He made a good record. I was like, thanks, Alex. Gosh. So I go and meet the guy and the building is this one building on the west side of LA that has every record label now stuffed on top of each other. Like these people used to have whole buildings and blocks. And now it was like A&M, EMI, mm-hmm. MCA, mm-hmm. everything you could think, Polydor, Polygram, whatever, yeah. Yeah. Atlantic, all in one building, just okay. offices with signs on the door. Okay. And I okay. go in and, you know, the the names on the walls are like, Taylor Swift and Ariana Grande and, and Lady Gaga and, and Maroon five. And I'm like, this whole thing mm-hmm. just comes out of a spreadsheet. It's not like we didn't know that it's mm-hmm. bored, but it literally comes out of a spreadsheet. Right. And, and I sat with him and he mm-hmm. goes, what would you like me to do for it? I said, did you hear the record? He goes, yeah, it's great. It sounds real good. Good production cover. arts wonderful. I was like, 
He's like, what do you like me to do for you? Yeah. I was like, I don't know. Like maybe you could like pass it off to someone in radio or, you know, like just give it to some kind of promoter. He's like, look, kid, (laughs) you know, you were, you got everything you need right here. You got, you know how to do the production you're making it. No one's going to play this music on the channels that we operate in. Um, All you need to do is just put down your head and work. And eventually you will find your audience. They will find you. And there you go. Like basically walk the fuck out of my office. Right. 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 Never. You know, I felt like, I felt like a replicant in Blade Runner, like Hmm. meeting Eldon Tyrell. Like I will never be allowed through these gates. This is the last chance I will have to meet this guy who is at the door to that sort of salvation and uh, it will never happen. But, but, but did he not in a way though also speak truth there? Like in, in, the, in his advice to you? A hundred percent. Best thing everyone, anyone ever right. told me. He right. said, you are free from this burden, my child. Oh, I see. I see. Stop designing your life around no more pitches. Just, just do go, the fucking work. Just go do yeah. the fucking work. And I and see you doing do that. It. Like, and, and I mean, you're excited about it in new ways. You're sharing the process with your audience through Twitch and other media, right? Like, it's right, right. It's it's it's. I get excited by that because that's not me. Like, I I'm not yet. Anyway, I mean, I'm just not as, you know. Um, I don't know. I, I, I guess, you know, I'm, I'm a little reluctant to, uh, to, to go into, into realms like that. Whereas you are just like in, you're like, fuck it. Well, I'm trying it. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm, I, and I don't understand it or I don't even get it, but I'm going to do it and, and learn something and, yes. and expand my horizon. I see you really pushing that. And I, and I enjoy that. I really do. Have you watched um, any of my Twitch stream yet? I no no okay, so, I, I get I, I mean I I've only watched it after the fact yeah 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 you can watch it after the fact not live but yeah so, but you've seen yeah, what it is yeah. right I see you working out the process it's kind of fun it's like it's it's raw you know yeah yeah it's yeah. raw yeah but yeah so like what I did there was a couple of years ago I was really despondent I thought what's the point of anything and <laughs> yeah I posted on this is a good segue for your next track so I I went mm-hmm. on Facebook and I said hey look. I don't know if anybody's still listening or out there, but if I, if this post gets a hundred likes, I'm going to record, write and record and put out a song in seven days, which is insane. Mm-hmm. And it got like 300 likes. Mm-hmm. I was like, where have you all been? Like I've been getting yeah. one or two you yeah, know, wow. hits from wow. people. And all of a sudden all these people have apparently been watching and listening and lurking, but they don't That's engage. Fucked up. That's really cool to notice that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I said, okay, well, shit, I'll do this now. So at the time <laughs> we were using Periscope, you know, which is okay. a little like okay. video streaming app on your phone yeah. before TikTok. And I put my phone on my computer monitor and turned it on. And yeah. for the entire time that I wrote this song, whether I was drinking beer or eating mac and cheese or playing yeah. my guitar or yeah, yeah, whatever... Yeah. Yeah, I streamed it. And here's what was amazing about it. And this is why I'm doing Twitch. Somebody named Jennifer would pop in and be like, what's up, everybody? I'm here, you know, holla. And the song would suddenly take on some part of her energy. And then dark and broody gothic Miranda would come in. She's like, hey, man, good to see you're still around, man. I'm Mm -hmm. listening to Joy Division, like, in the dark room. And then all of a sudden I start putting in like warehouse studio yeah. drums. Yeah. Yeah. Or the Buckley. So it affected, thing. it affected your process. Like, like, like. Yeah. It was a quantum effect. Like wow, they're, they're wow. gazing at the thing and modulating the matrix <laughs> of it. 
And so now when I do Twitch, what I'm doing is I'm saying, okay, I'm going to, I'm really excited about like generative tools, aleatoric stuff. So aleatoric, you know, music is of course, like when you have something that's like a variation that's unexpected or um, whatever. And so now there's all these tools. In fact, the latest issue of electronic musicians about aleatoric generative synths and mm-hmm, players. Mm-hmm. So I was really stoked about that. Cool. Cool. And so I like turning them all on and saying, okay, you're going to be the, the drum generating pattern thing. And you're going to have a random variation every four bars and you're going to create random, key, you know, melodies in this key. Mm. And it's the same thing going on with like generative AI art right now. So I turn right, them all on. Right, right. I let my audience just start climbing in and I'm like, Oh God, <laughs> I got to fight my way out of this crazy three wheeled car. And uh, for an hour or two, I get lost in the process and they say things and it affects it. And then the next day I go back and I have no recollection of what I made, Wow! but I go, holy shit, that was catchy because I was thinking about them or something. Yeah. And then I go to my drummer's studio. I go, Hey, play drums on this whole thing now. Like make it real, like a boy. Yeah. Yeah. And then it turns into song. So that's the new kind of music I'm doing, but it's the quantum effect of the participation of the viewer in that moment. That's of malleability that I care that's about. That's really exciting. Really exciting, man. Like I, I I I always looked at it and went, is this what we have to do now as artists? It's <laughs> bad enough. It's bad enough that we have to sit alone and fucking create the shit. Yeah, yeah. Now we now we gotta not be alone and create the shit. Yeah. And not, but then I now you're kind of selling me on it in a way. Is like, wait a minute, maybe you don't have to create it alone. Maybe the influence of the people that you're around. I, I, it takes a certain headspace to get to where you're at with it. I'm not yeah. there yet. I, I, I do feel like it's a very private thing. And I'm yeah, a guy yeah. who used to enjoy, you know, doing things to myself in public. Yes. You know, but I, I just, it's not, I don't know. You, you got to work your way to that. You know, I think you really do. So did you, do you find yourself getting better at, m- maximizing Twitch when you're in that realm now? Do no, you? no, I'm terrible at it. But, I kind of also have this concern that as you, as we have has had a theme running through this show, and I hope this isn't like going to be some weird, like prescient moment that gets mm-hmm. creepy, mm-hmm. but I, you know, what if I die and I don't put out the records and what right. if people never right. really knew me for the person that's making this music? They just don't mm-hmm. have a sense of like the alternate paths that the song took first. And yeah, right. sometimes there's like these really incredible stages that a song can have and they get lost later when you do right. the mix or the edit. Very, very or, good. Very good. Very good point. Very you know, good. and there's like these really yeah. delicious kind of like yeah, yeah. visceral things in the middle. Yeah. And I kind of love that they're that to me kind of is the work. It's almost like that is the product. Rush, the point of the journey is not to arrive, right? Yeah. So um yeah. hey listen, we've arrived though at the uh so uh, I, we're gonna we're gonna wrap it but i have one more question for you before we listen to let's, well, so let's, the, let's the song i was just talking about artificial was, intelligence yeah you should and you i was gonna do that the song i was talking about was don't get caught by the dazzling charades okay okay was okay. the song i made with periscope just just as a point of you know reference okay 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 let's um I, th- I thought you might have been talking about artificial intelligence in a way too there because uh, you're 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 hinting at it because you're fascinated by it but yeah no that was definitely not written in that in that in that way I could no I could, artificial I could intelligence that. I yeah. I actually wrote that just as trivia mm-hmm. um, Ryan Brown my drummer who yeah, yeah. I was with for a while he's been playing with the Dweezil Zappa band right right for quite a while 
Mm-hmm. And uh, one day he came over and said, you know, who's like just around. I was like, who? He goes, Carmine Rojas. I was like, who's that? He goes, you know, he's that bald bass player, Puerto Rican guy who plays with Joe Bonamassa. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, yeah, what about him? He's like, well, he also played like the whole David Bowie Let's Dance record. Like he's <laughs> the bassist for like Let's Dance and China Girl. And wow, all. amazing. Holy and fuck. he's like, and he's just like around. I was like, well, let's get him to play with us. <laughs> I said, just I'll just around. write a song and, and yeah. put him on the phone with me and I'll tell him he's doing it. And I wow. got on the phone and I said, hey, like Ryan is incredible. He's in town. I really want you to play. Could you do it? And I can't yeah. really afford you, but maybe you'll do it anyway. And he said, okay. Fuck. Amazing. So I got, I got Bowie's, you know, bassist. Yeah. I got, yeah. I got Dweezil's drummer and uh, I got Rush's guitar player to come yeah. in and yeah. play on this track. And that's what artificial intelligence came out. Of. Oh, that's, that's incredible. I cannot wait. We're going to end with a blast, but, li- and it's a, it's an epic track. It's an epic track. Um, Oh man, we didn't even, okay. Anyway, my, my question for you is this, no regrets. This has been a lovely conversation. My question is like, you wear so many hats, you know, uh, from festival curator to, you know, we don't need to go through the list. We know you, you, you've got, you've got this kind of polymath thing going on in terms of your art and the way that you create the way that you do your, your thing. What's the hat? Is there a hat that you enjoy wearing more one than the other when you're when you're in an acting role versus cutting a track or making a record or performing live? Like what's the thing you love the most still? Like why do you what do you want to keep doing this and where do you want to go with your with your art uh, secondly? I love where do you this see question. It going? I mean, I don't know where it's going. I think that the whole mm-hmm. of it is the thing, but nice. I, the one I really, the one that that saves me the most is music. Okay. Okay. Acting is, is, is like great money, great access, memorable experiences, friends for life, sexy Mm -hmm. as hell. Mm -hmm. I love sleeping in the trailer all day and being fed. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, it, you know, makes me popular sometimes. Mm -hmm. Um, running a conference is an incredible job in project management and just having the smartest people in the room tell me everything they know. I love that. Mm-hmm. But music is the only thing that connects me to the experience of life so wholly that yeah. I can't, I get out of words and I get out of objectives and it's just like I'm just doing. You lose yourself. You lose. It's yourself just so it. powerful. Yeah. I think sometimes it's the only cure for me. Honestly, there's I no that. pill that will fix the thing that music can fix. I love that. I, I couldn't have said it better. I mean, I, it's. I guess it's part, I don't really know why I do this podcast, but it is to connect with people like you, basically. It's, it's to hear you just say what you just said. You know, it's, it's re- it is really that. And, and it's deep for me as it is for you in terms of how, how many decades deep it, it, the whole, this whole thing runs. And, and that's not lost on me either. I really appreciate all that you do. And I, I admire what you do. And I, I hope that you get to keep, and you, it's great that you don't know where you're going. I think that's yeah. awesome. I mean, it's, but I wish you well in it, in your pursuit of it, you know, and, and how genuine you are to it. Um, I, I lied. Where do you keep your ego in the mix in all of this? You kind of mentioned like, you, you know what I mean? I, I think as we age as artists, mm-hmm. 
what are you doing with your ego? Are you um, accepting it, loving it, um, mm. trying to trying to shed it? Or I don't know, like I, I've heard many mm. different approaches to that. I, I'm interested in how you see yourself growing as an artist in that regard, your, your, your dance with your ego. Yeah, that's such a good question. Like I, when I hear some of these things back, mm. you know, I feel like all I'm doing is just talking about myself and how important I am. And I just feel kind of appalled by my self-interest, which I think belies that in some way, I really just want to get rid of all of that. Mm-hmm. Just get rid of all that attachment and the self- sense of self-importance and meaning. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And, and just kind of like sublimate <laughs> into the... Yeah. I think that that's a trend in a lot of my music is it, it usually ends with this sort of stage of petrichor sublimation just like fuck this <laughs> fuck structure let's just go into the ether and and that's a it. that's a pattern that repeats so i think it's the same thing i'm trying to just decouple myself from the needs of of the ego uh, 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 amen um i i'd love to play more of your music i'm gonna in the outro i'm gonna um point the listeners to uh to some tracks that I really love that you shared. We're going to go out with uh, artificial intelligence though. Where can people learn more about your music? I've got two main places, karamsongs.com, K E R A M songs.com. Mm-hmm. And I'm also at uh, karam.bandcamp.com. And the Patreon you mentioned, if they want to oh, latch onto that. Yeah. yeah. Come to Karam, Yeah. Patreon.com slash Karam. Mm-hmm. And there you will get all of the inside stuff. I'm too afraid to post to the outside. My, Twitch streams, my private writing, my behind-the-scenes process, videos, uh, unreleased tracks. It's a real treasure trove. And honestly, like, you know, you might hear this a, a thousand years in the future, but you can literally join my Patreon for a buck. And it just means that you just crossed over into the threshold and it keeps the riffraff out and we can just be a family in there. So join. Right on. Right on. Thank you for doing this. I really appreciate you. No, oh, I appreciate you so much. Thank you, sir. And and you've always been an inspiration. And and so thank you again. Ah, you heard it. You heard it here. Johnny Camden just said, I've always been an inspiration. Pretty much got him into guitar playing. Yep. All right. Bye.
was that that was artificial intelligence featuring an incredible lineup of artists including none other than alex lifeson thank you for every word of wisdom karam maliki sanchez go to karamsongs.com to get into the catalog you'll find all the music there and if you're in toronto july 20th and 21st go to conference.virtualreality.to to check out karam's vr toronto conference and uh, what an inspiration go to friendlyrich.com for a little less inspiration (laughs) and we'll see you again next time on industry tactics love you all bye for now